Yeah, round of applause. I don't know if you've had those moments in your life, but, um, but there's something about this concept of being always on, always on duty, always ready for whatever uh, life throws your way. And, uh, and this speaks directly into uh, this very short series that we've been doing here on workplace uh, mission. Uh, you see, uh, the idea of workplace mission, sometimes, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this last week, I might get the first slide up if it's there. Um, the, first, the first thing I mentioned last week is we need to contest this idea of the sacred and the secular divide. Okay, this idea that some things are important to God, that's the kind of the sacred stuff, the church stuff, the Bible study stuff, that kind of is important to God, whereas there's, there's other parts of life that are not so important, that they are secular, they are not within the realm of God's interest. And sometimes what we can do is we can fall into that trap as well, and by thinking that some things such as our church attendance and small group can be important, but areas like our work are like a necessary evil. It's like I just do my work in order to get money that then I can maybe give to the church or some sort of kingdom initiative. And so last week I challenged that and got us thinking about how from the beginning of the world, God actually invited us to partner with him in the ongoing creation of the world, that work was not actually as a result of sin, but actually preceded the fall because it was important for people to have meaningful work to do. That work being whether it be professional work, whether you're retired and are doing kind of volunteer work, or whether you're a student and you're studying, any of these forms of work are significant. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit because while some people might be like, okay, I can understand how I can acknowledge my work as worship. So I can partner with God in bringing good in this context, elevating the good as much as is possible. Thank you, guys. Um, the other thing is sometimes when we think about evangelism, and that word right there might even trigger some people, right? Because we have this picture of evangelism, and it might kind of generate in your mind the idea of someone on a soapbox on the street kind of yelling at people with a bullhorn or something like that. And so this idea of evangelism, again, feels completely separate to our kind of work space. Um, and usually what happens is there's kind of two major excuses to being evangelical, right? Uh, first of all, the first excuse is it's, it's somebody else's responsibility. It's like, well, I know people in my life who are really evangelical. They've got a way with words. They've got the ability to connect with others. They are the capital E evangelist. And because I am not a capital E evangelist, that means that I'm something else. But it means that I'm immune from having to be evangelical, which is very different, Okay. And the other thing that we can do, and the second excuse, is it's somewhere else. Well, I'm happy to be evangelical at youth group, and I'm happy to be evangelical at an outreach event, but my workplace, ooh, uh, no, 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 that is, again, that's the secular space, right? I can't be evangelical in that manner, or particularly in regard to whatever kind of image we have of evangelism, right, in our mind. And maybe it is that you've kind of bought into one of these ideas from time to time. I know I have, right? Um, perhaps you have tried some things to be evangelical in the past and they haven't gone well. Um, maybe you have been a witness to bad witness. You've witnessed other people witnessing and going, oh, I do not want to be identified with that. And because you do that, you end up kind of throwing the whole thing out. No, 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 no. Someone else, somewhere else. But what we discover as we look at how Jesus himself went about his work is that actually to be evangelical is a core part of what it looks like uh, to be people who work. 
and who understand that these places of work do have opportunity. So we're going to start uh, again in Matthew uh, chapter 9. We're going to just work through this passage step by step because Jesus is doing some amazing stuff here that we can learn from ourselves. So it says here in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Okay? So here, right, we see this is a very succinct summary of how Jesus went about work as worship, okay? This was Jesus bringing about the good in his context. He was a Jewish rabbi. This is what it looked like for him to elevate the good. He went around, he went around proclaiming truth, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, that there was something for people to be able to enter into that was available to them, right? That's what we're talking about there. And on top of that, he was healing every disease and sickness. And so you can see in this good that he was doing, to pick up on our workers' worship conversation from last week, there was power behind it. There was power that was bringing about not only truth hitting people's hearts, but also power through healing. And notice, right, particularly I love this, there was no separation between the work that he was doing and the message he was sharing, right? It's literally packaged in this verse. Jesus was bringing about the good and he was declaring where that good was sourced from. This was how Jesus operated through his ministry. Now, sometimes, again, we can slip outside of this type of thinking. You see, there's some people who are so focused on honoring God with their work. It's like, I want to honor God with my work. I want to bring about the maximum good that I can. And they, 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 they see that there's this potential within their workplace, and they want to invite people to, to, to kind of to, to, to see that. But what they do is in their so focused being uh, seeking to do uh, the work and, and to do workers' worship that they actually fail to see the opportunity to invite people into that. It's like I do the good work and I'm an example, but I don't actually think about inviting people into it. I just want them to kind of connect the dots. Yeah? That's fine. Like, okay, we can be honest about this. It happens to me too, right? Okay. So sometimes we can be that kind of focused. So that would be kind of, yes, I'm full on with workers' worship, right? Now, there are other people who are on the other end of the spectrum. Some people are so missionally minded that they fail to do their work in a really good quality that actually honors God, right? And they essentially create chaos rather than order, again, to pick up on our message from last week. And so what happens is they are so focused on the missional aspect that they actually fail to honor God through their work. They're reaching people and they're saying, this is an avenue to reach out and, and share the good news with people, but they actually don't honor God with their work. And so you can see these kind of two extremes. We call them workers' worship, which is good. And we talk about marketplace for mission, which is also good. And so I encourage you, even in this moment, as you think about whatever that work looks like, whether you're a student, professional, whether you've retired, whatever that looks like, there's kind of three spots that we generally sit unless we're kind of bang on Jesus in the middle. <laughs> Either we're in the workers' worship kind of category, but we don't extend the invitation. We either extend the invitation at the expense of our work, or we say, actually, I do neither of these things because that's all just secular space, <laughs> right? Or maybe, just maybe, sometimes in some places we actually embrace both. And that's what I want to invite us to consider here today. Now, I just want to also acknowledge, particularly if people have that, um, that kind of that second mentality, marketplace for mission mentality, there are some contexts where actually it comes at the expense of professional boundaries. <laughs> there are some contexts where it is 
actually inappropriate, right, because of the power dynamic that exists within a professional relationship to exploit that, right? So I just want to acknowledge that that's actually a dynamic, particularly for things like counsellors and doctors, but many other places where there is a power structure, okay? So we need to do this well. We need to do this in a way that honours God and honours people. So marketplace for mission, this kind of second category that also acknowledges the importance of workers' worship, is embracing your unique position to extend Jesus' invitation toward others. It's embracing, it's like I am uniquely positioned by God to extend an invitation towards others in this place. This is not a, sac- uh, sorry, this is not a secular space. This is a sacred space where I do God's work, but I also extend the invitation to others. And we see this in Jesus' ongoing ministry. Note the verse after, Matthew 9, 36. When he, that is Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And can you, can you hear like Jesus' heart break in this situation? It's like he looks out at the crowds. He looks at these people who are desperately needing love, care, direction, right? And instead what he sees is people who are harassed and helpless. And his heart of compassion goes out to them. And the truth is that here in this world as well, we live in a world full of harassed and helpless people. It doesn't mean that there's no hope, but, but actually when we look out and in the conversations we have with colleagues, you might even pick up this sense of harassed and helpless. And the last thing we want is for our invitation <laughs> to invite people into the way of Jesus to become another form of harassment, right? That's the risk. If we go about it the wrong way, these poor, helpless, and harassed people with our input actually become more harassed. And what a shame that would be. That's the thing we fear, right? That's the thing as Christians that we want to stay away from. That's sometimes the thing that stops us from having that evangelical posture. And unfortunately, it's been far too prevalent throughout history. Where maybe even Christians and Christian powers, when they've been in power, have utilized and exploited that power, right? to invite people, it's a very generous term, to participate in Jesus' way. Remember that Jesus' ministry and the way that he went about it was always under power. Jesus wasn't, he had power, he was healing people, all right, he had the authority of God, like, that's a different kind of power. But the powers of the world, the controlling powers, the kind of ministry and mission that took place through Jesus and through the early church wasn't from a position of power. It was always on the underside of power. And isn't it amazing that on the underside of power, that is how evangelism and the reaching of people and people's invitation into his kingdom went crazy, right? So we need to check our approach to evangelism in case we become the people who add to the helpless and harassed. We don't want people to feel judged by our invitation. And often, if you're you're kind of aware of this, people are put on the back foot around contentious or controversial issues. It's like, if your approach to evangelism is on contentious social issues, great for a debate, not great for invitation, <laughs> because people are on the defensive. I was, um, I was chatting with someone, now you might be like, hey Gavin, you're a pastor, right? So, you know, what do you know about the professional workplace? Yeah, hey, I take that on board, right? I seek to learn as much as I can. But for me, okay, I think of applying this on my days off as well, right? 
So I think about taking my two-year-old to Tiny Tots, and I think about the people that I encounter in that kind of context. We've got parents of young kids, and we had to have conversations, right? And I seek to honor God through my work as, in that context, a parent, right? And I seek to look at that context as a potential opportunity for mission and to share good news with hopeless and harassed people, yeah? And so recently I've been uh, connecting a little bit with some parents who have been at, uh, at Tiny Tots. And what was fascinating is the thing that the people uh, is really prevalent and have been harassed by or feeling helpless by at the moment is the economic state of things, right? And so we've got people who are like, we're feeling the financial pressure, they're setting up Airbnbs, they're wanting people to come use those Airbnbs. These are the kind of conversations, I don't know what your conversations are like, this is the kind of conversations that I have with your kind of average parent of a two-year-old, you know? And it was really interesting, like chatting to this person who was concerned around their revenue streams and actually being able to invite them to see the world a little bit differently, particularly from a Christian perspective. They knew that I was a Christian, right? Um, they had no idea what a pastor was, so it didn't come with any additional authority, in case you were wondering. But they knew that I was a Christian, and so we're having this conversation about where we place our hope, right? And, and we talked about the, the, the fickleness of money, right? How it can so easily come and go. And we might sit here and be like, well, Gavin, that's really obvious. I mean, Jesus talks about that all the time. In the world, people don't always have these conversations and, and have this awareness, right? And so all I did was just invite this truth, right? I'm kind of like, oh, you know, uh, we talk about this, this stuff is temporary. Oh, temporary. What do you mean by that? Oh, it's something Jesus shared, right? <laughs> okay, Jesus shared it. <laughs> it's there. It's out there. I weren't offended by this. I'm just simply living a life that actually reflects the kind of truths that Jesus shared, and I'm seeking to bring good news to them in that context. It doesn't have to be Jesus died for your sins. I'm simply bringing a piece of good news, just as Jesus invited people to experience the kingdom as we read uh, that previous verse. And so I encourage you, rather than have this posture of, I need to go evangelize, and kind of this kind of potential, uh, uh, this potential space of, of hopelessness and harassment, is to do what Jesus did, and instead embrace compassion. That our posture in those contexts to be compassion. You see, we live in a world full of helpless and harassed people, and some of your workplaces are going to... Uh, kind of reflect that even more. But what does it look like for us as Jesus followers to cultivate compassion in these settings? And ask the questions, what are the needs of the people around me? You see, the needs of those parents of two-year-olds is uh, some sort of alternate perspective on the significance of money, right? Like that's what they need. They're bound by this. They're trapped in fear because of this. So what does it look like to actually extend Jesus' invitation to think differently in that context? But the thing is, I don't know that unless I listen. And so we need to have that posture to be listening. How are the people in my workplace, my marketplace, feeling harassed and helpless right now? Because until we ask that question, we will not know what it looks like to give an answer that actually allows God's truth to speak into that setting. And you might have grade five kids who are harassed and helpless in some form. You might have patients on dialysis who are harassed and helpless in some form. You might be volunteering at prison ministries and, and people are feeling a different kind of harassed and helplessness. But we need to listen. And this is what Jesus did. He saw and he listened and he had compassion. For some people, the good news for them in any given moment is you can 
find rest. That was, Jesus taught this, right? This is what Jesus taught. He taught truths like this. You can find rest. He taught truths like you are not alone. And for the person who is isolated, is that good news? Yeah, that's good news. Congratulations, you have become evangelical. And you didn't have to stand on a soapbox. You listened, you responded. And suddenly you offered a word of good news in your marketplace. Your pain is not wasted. For people going through pain, got to be careful about timing around that. Okay, careful around timing. But in the right place, in the right time, your pain is not wasted is incredibly good news to people who have felt hopeless and harassed. Okay? But to share it, we need to live it, of course. And so again, I'd encourage you to consider, maybe this is that you've got to reconsider the fact that maybe your workplace isn't so secular as you think it is. Maybe you're in that workplace as worship staff and you haven't really thought about your marketplace being a mission field, but I guarantee it is. Because Jesus did not divide the two. I missed it on the slide, but the old El Paso girl. Can't we have both? Do we need tacos and tortillas? Do they need to be competing against each other? No, no, no. We can make a new product. It's not a great product. That's where the illustration falls flat. But nevertheless, the principle is still good. Okay? Why not both? And so there are going to be people in your workplace who are what we call people of peace. That's what Jesus describes them as when he sends his disciples. Look for the people of peace. And I've done many sermons on this before. I'm not going to go over it again. But it's in simple, really quickly. You can, if this spurs your imagination, you can go find one of those sermons. People who like you, listen to you, and who open their network up to you, right? That's what a person of peace is, right? Like you, listen to you, open their network up to you. There are going to be people of peace within your workplace, okay? Who is that person? And it's from this place. So Jesus doing the good work, right? Verse 36, sorry, verse 35, he's doing the good work. He's sharing the reason behind that work. Then verse 36, he looked at the crowds, he saw their state, he listened and he showed compassion. This is where Jesus goes next. Then he said to his disciples, then after the good work, then after identifying the need, then after having compassion, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I mean, we, we grab these verses and we're like, hey, just be more missional, right? We grab them and sometimes we can separate them from the context. And what happens is when we grab these and we just kind of just go do it, we miss the compassion piece, right? And maybe even we miss the importance of doing the work kind of piece. And that's where sometimes we can become those people who add to the hopelessness and the harassment. But Jesus says, in light of these things and what I'm doing, actually, we need to recognize that the harvest, this opportunity to share the good news, is actually plentiful. But there's only a few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into his harvest field. And that worker might just be you, by the way. Right? And so we, as followers of Jesus, are also called to embrace this state of being sent in and through the work that we do. We're positioned for mission in our context. And I just want to provide just a a few kind of ideas 
easy ways to initially kind of cultivate that posture of evangelical kind of state, right? Because again, some people are coming in and that word is loaded with a lot of fear, a lot of hurt potentially, and I want to just shape something that's a bit fresh if you haven't already seen it in Jesus. So the first thing, as you embrace this kind of posture of being sent, that your marketplace is a mission field, the first thing is be proud. Now, of course, that word proud doesn't mean be arrogant, okay? Uh, but this word proud is used comprehensively by Paul in the New Testament. He's as unashamed, you could say, unashamed, right, of being a follower of Jesus. For some people, their first step is actually letting the people know in their workplace that they are a Christian. It can take years for some people. Sometimes I'm, I'm actually kind of like shocked. I'm, I'm a little saddened sometimes at times when, when, I, when I chat with different people within industry and they're like, oh, I know that person. Are they a Christian? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like they are. It's, it's kind of a, kind of shocks me a little bit that you don't know that, but that's okay. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to work out why that is. But at the same time, we need to be aware. Like People need to be aware of Christians, right? And we can be proud of that. We can say, hey, yeah, we go to church and we do a Bible study. Like, and I know it's hard when sometimes the, the image that has been painted of Christians right around the world can be that which we don't want to identify with, right? But I promise you, by not identifying with it, it's not going to make it any better, <laughs> okay? What we need is many Christians who are setting a good example, who are embracing that work and bringing about the good, yeah? And so we need to let people know that we're Christians. It doesn't mean that you first say, hey, I'm Gavin, I'm a Christian. You know, like, it actually doesn't have to be, right, that kind of full-on, right? Believe me. In the first couple of weeks, once you get to know someone, someone's going to ask, hey, what you do on the weekend? It will come. It will come. I literally get asked it every single week, right, for a different people. What do you do on the weekend? It's like, it's like, how's the weather? Like, it's up there with, like, your top three questions that people ask, right? So even if you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to be a say, what's your church on Sunday? Oh, right. And then what happens is you see if they ask another question, Right? And if they ask another question, you kind of go, ooh, is this a person of peace? And if they don't, that's fine. That's fine. Totally fine. You've done your bit. So, I'm sure you know you're a Christian. Number two, be prepared. Last week, we talked about the fact that in your work that you do, you are there to bring good into the world, right? Bring order out of the chaos in some way or form. Be prepared to understand the connection between the work and what you do, especially in your workplace. And so if you're a doctor, this idea of bringing healing to vulnerable people is a good thing, right? It's a kingdom thing. It's a life-giving thing. You need to understand if you're an accountant, and I kind of laid it pretty heavy on accountants and spreadsheets last week, I admit, but that's because I love them, right? There's this sense of going, actually, I think that accountability, right, and good stewardship is really, really important. And so when people ask, hey, why do you get into this job, which is another up there question, right? You understand why you do what you do and how that's linked to your faith. So be prepared. You can even literally prepare in advance for this. <laughs> you can write it out and then memorize it so that when someone asks, you know exactly what to say. Just don't say it too fast. I do that all the time. And number three, of course, be prayerful. And by the way, this one, two, three isn't in a particular kind of priority order. These are just three things. But be prayerful. Jesus said to his disciples, Pray that the Lord of the harvest would bring more workers for the harvest field. And each at the beginning of each day, if we actually took up this posture of prayer and said, Holy Spirit, what are you going to point out to me today? What will I miss if, if you don't remind me? Right? And we have this posture where we're like, okay, 
I'm actually praying to position myself to be uh, on mission in this context. It may just be that God highlights something that you otherwise would have missed. And he does. He does. He leads us into truth. The Spirit actually works with our hearts and cultivates that compassion for the hopeless and the helpless. But we need to be prayerful. We need to choose to enter into that space. And of course, if there is a person of peace, pray for them. And just pray for them, right? Bless them. Be proud. Be prepared. Be prayerful. These are just some practical things that maybe you can be doing to maybe just light a fire a little bit under your understanding that your workplace, wherever you do your work, your marketplace is an opportunity for kingdom impact, not just in the work that you do, but in those you invite. So with all this in mind, I'm actually just going to go through this passage again. Maybe it will give you fresh eyes. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Not separated. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to go send out workers into his harvest field. We are positioned through our work right here in the harvest field. Not someone else, not somewhere else. It's our marketplace, it's our mission field, right? That's us. And we need to do the work to work that out and what that looks like. But I believe as a church we are doing this and we can continue doing this. And when we fall into those habits that we all do from time to time of maybe thinking differently or feeling discouraged, we can recalibrate and be reminded that God has positioned you with specific skills, stories, and words in these places so you can not only bring about the good news, but invite people to share in that good news wherever you are. Let me pray. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that, um, yeah, that, that there isn't this divide between what you want to use and what you don't. I think about those those dad saves and I think about that conscious awareness of responsibility at all times. Um, and I want to pray, God, that we would have that kind of posture in terms of our work, whatever form that takes. Um, that we would be ready to share, to protect, uh, to declare. Um, and I especially want to pray, Lord, for people who are carrying um, hurts or pictures of evangelism that have been abrasive, uh, that have been that which adds to the chaos. And God, we know we don't always get it right. We're not, we're not perfect. But God, I want to pray that we would be freed of those images, that we would not fear becoming those, but rather we would do what we can with a posture of readiness to respond to the needs of those around us. Uh, God, I just genuinely feel there's a, a whole bunch of our church who are going to step into their workplace and God, through your spirit, see their colleagues differently. Help us to listen. What burdens are they carrying and where does your truth speak into those circumstances? And so Jesus, 
do a work in our hearts. Help us to think differently, we pray, and follow your example, Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, our King. You did it best, and we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.